Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Hello, guys. Welcome to the program. You guys ever have one of those weeks where nothing goes right and it just seems to last forever? I feel like that's 2020, isn't it? Well, this past week was that for me, and I'm wildly behind. So that said, I did not want to leave you guys hanging. So tonight is a grab bag episode. And just a little refresher on what these grab bags are. Typically, I'll write some sort of script for the episode. I loosely follow it these days, but it keeps me on track. These episodes, however, I have no idea what these calls are. A few of them I know the subject matter, and that's about it. So, here we go, guys. Our latest grab bag episode. And to kick this one off, we're going to jump on over to the show-me state of Missouri. The following is Andrew's entry. What do you got for us, Andrew? Hey, Derek, this is Andrew from Kansas City, man. I'm uh, catching up on all your old podcasts while trying to listen to the new episodes, too. Uh, But I just wanted to say one thing is uh, I've noticed in listening to a lot of these episodes is people are making connections on different stories and stuff and one thing i've heard a lot mentioned is like the glitchy movement of you know shadow figures mirrored man um the static whatever the static figure is that people keep talking about uh but they keep talking about this glitchy thing and you know i mean this is kind of over the top but i was thinking you know like i play a lot of video games and if your connection ain't great man you lag when you're online and it's a lot of what people are explaining as the glitchiness kind of sounds like the same thing as lag on a video game. And, you know, I might it might be crazy, but, you know, what if these beings that we're seeing that are glitchy are from a different universe, different uh, parallel universe, different dimension, whatever, whatever it may be, you know. Uh, I just thought that was an interesting connection. That was something I was thinking about today. I wanted to drop a real quick story. This one didn't happen to me. This happened to my brother one time. We were, uh, we had our own apartment, and I don't know if he was home alone that night or if anybody else was, but I know this happened to him. I didn't happen to me. But uh, he woke up in the middle of the night uh, asleep on our couch, and there was three small gray beings walking around our living room. He said they were over like in our living room, and whenever he opened his eyes and saw them, they ran to the kitchen and ran out our back door. Uh, this would have been during the summer. We uh, had a lot of dogs, so we would usually keep the door open so they can go in and out as much as they want. But, you know, so, I mean, you could say it was somebody was in our house, but my brother, you know, he's he said it was three small gray beings. And, I, you know, I ain't saying they were the gray aliens or whatever, but it's just weird, you know. Um you know, my brother was in the Marines. He he does know how to, you know, look for certain things. They do, you know, kind of trainings and stuff on making sure you can recognize uh, what you're looking at. I, you know, you obviously got to know who the enemy is and all that. So, you know, and my brother, he's sober. He doesn't do drugs or alcohol or anything. So that was a big thing, too. That, And he doesn't like talking about this stuff. He makes fun of me a lot for the things that I say I've seen or the things I like to investigate so it's a big deal that he would be willing to admit this to me I think so uh, 
short story long, I guess. All right, man, take care. Thank you, Andrew. Now, I gotta be honest here when I'm thinking about this. Is it possible that your brother simply had a case of sleep paralysis and his demons happened to be little gray men? Now, as I've mentioned on the show, I've actually suffered from sleep paralysis a few times. And usually when it happens, it has something to do with travel. Uh, I'm traveling back east or I just got back. Uh, Something throws me off and that's when I usually experience it. And as Andrew said, his brother was sleeping on the couch. So maybe that's not a place he normally sleeps. Now to play the devil's advocate, I got another idea. Missouri isn't all that far from the state of Kentucky. And Kentucky is known for a handful of things. One of those things is little gray goblins. Let me see if I can find a video. I was doing some research the other day on the Hopkinsville goblins. And I found something that you guys might enjoy. In August of 1955, my father and grandmother and some aunts and uncles had a great adventure one night. I heard it from the main source, and that was my father, who in the story is Lucky Sutton, or Elmer Sutton. My dad and his wife Vera had come in. They had worked with the carnival for years. And um, Billy Ray, which was my dad's friend at the time, and his wife June, they were all together. They decided to come in for the weekend. He wanted to come home, see his mom and you know his brothers and catch up and to see how things were going. And the night this occurred, they were all in the house um, and there was 11 of them in the house. As the sun's light began to fade, Billy Ray stepped outside to draw water from the well. He saw something shaped like a saucer streak through the sky, trailing a rainbow of colors behind it. It settled down in the woods behind the house. When Lucky Sutton came out to check on his friend's seemingly outrageous claim, the two men saw something emerge from the woods. Coming toward them was a glowing three-foot-tall silver being. Its arms were raised in the air over its head, and it was floating. Unnerved and frightened for their families, the two men ran indoors. At first, their family wouldn't believe them until Lucky's mother, Glennie, saw it at the back door of the house. Well, that was it. The fight was on. And so they started shooting, and they, they had a battle from the time it started till about 11, 11.30 that night until they finally got a clearing where they could run to Hopkinsville and get help. They had no phone, so that was the only thing they knew to do. The men claimed that the creatures were protected from the bullets by some sort of armor and would quickly return. By the time the night was over, you had police officers, you had reporters, you had people from Fort Campbell all out there traipsing around land trying to figure out, you know, what happened that night, and they couldn't find anything. The only thing they could find was shotgun shells, of course, hoses, screens in the windows, woodwork shot off, and, but, no bodies. After the police left, the occupants of the Sutton home were to be terrorized again by three silvery beings until dawn. And then a new invasion of Kelly took place. By 7.30 the next morning, everybody in this community knew that a spaceship from Mars had landed in the outskirts of downtown metropolitan Kelly. 
They were coming from everywhere. Magazines and newspapers. Now that clip comes courtesy of Kentucky Educational Television. And truth be told, I went back and edited that thing down a little bit. If you want to see the whole thing, go to the show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the show notes tab. While you're there, be sure to check out the merchandise page over at uh, the shop tab. New shirts, new hats, new stuff coming here in a couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. In all that research that I was doing, I actually stumbled upon a few of the reports that came in the weeks before the encounter in Kelly Hopkinsville. So I don't know, possible connection there, and again, it could have been, of course, sleep paralysis. And then, I won't even go down this rabbit hole, but dare I say, aliens. Either way, thank you, Andrew, for taking the time to share your call. Now, judging from the little bit of information I have on this next call, we're going to get a transition here. Speaking of those aliens, Gwen, from the state of Arizona, has a UFO story she'd like to share with us. And it looks like there might be a bonus on there as well. Hi, my name is Gwen. I just started listening, so I still have to catch up. I might not even hear if I make it for a little while, but I'm glad to know there are so many other people that enjoy um, your podcast and this type of thing. Uh, I'm a little late in the game, but my story is kind of, it starts in Arizona. I actually have a lot of stories from there. And I'm I'm probably not going to disclose too much about it just because I don't actually know what happened. Uh, Could have been road rage or whatever, but just in case, uh, I lived in this little town where um, I would work on the main strip and there would be like Unimogs pretty regularly, like once a month, kind of going down the this tiny little town strip and um I had never lived anywhere that had that going on so I was like is there a base nearby or something like that um and there's a lot of stories about ghosts and UFO sightings and stuff like that in in Arizona altogether but especially in this town and so there's this one little area of trails where people would say that they would get stopped sometimes by officials and that they would be turned around um, and that there was sometimes signage and I would go out walking with my dog all the time and I'd never seen anything. But prior to this story, it was about 20 years ago, I uh, was working um, on a ranch. Previous to that, I was kind of camping and like looking for a job. I was really young. Um, and I had just moved out from the Midwest and kind of trying to get my feet under me. So I lived on this ranch and it was like a slightly like guest experience ranch, but it was 12 miles back on a dirt road. So it take, it would take me like 40 minutes to go into this tiny little town if I needed to go. Um, so one day I was going back to the ranch um, and I had uh, two of the ranch hands with me, and there were only three ranch hands, and two out of three with me. And I had kind of a little Jeep. On this um, ranch, there were only three other people besides the three ranch hands and I that worked. Um, 
and lived on the ranch. But sorry, I'll go back. There were a total of six people that worked on the ranch. Three of them, including, so I guess four of us, lived on the ranch. And two of them were with me. So three out of four of us that lived on the ranch were in the car. I should just say this is a tiny town. Um, There was some tourism and maybe some back road kind of stuff happening, but it was a really small town and really like I would never see anybody on this road past a certain point. We were driving down the main road that goes toward our back road all in the car. And all of a sudden I looked out my left window and I was like, while I was on the driver, I was like, what is that? And it was this big, white, bright light just sitting in the sky. Um, And it was probably about six or seven o'clock. The sun was still kind of lighting the sky, at least, even if it wasn't up. But we just pulled off the road because nobody could explain it. And, you know, from our perspective, it was the size of, you know, like probably like half of the moon or something and it's just sitting there Um, and we could kind of tell where the ranch was and we were like it's kind of above the ranch and describing it to each other and what was interesting is we were all describing the same thing which was there was this kind of like it was almost like a snow angel um, haze around it and there was like a more concentrated beam in the middle of it and we were all just sitting on the side of the road a couple of cars passed and they were looking at us like what are you doing and we were like pointing like look isn't this weird and nobody (laughs) would stop and nobody else thought it was interesting and then all of a sudden right it just shot down into what we knew was in the area of the mountains and it was like just a splash of light and then It was almost like the haze that was snow angel formed, (laughs) just for lack of a better, that's how we were describing it to each other, started to, it was a dome shape after it dropped down and, and made a flash of light. And it was like turning a pale green and slowly shrinking. We were like all saying it out loud, just so that we knew we weren't crazy. And we had um, one of the ranch hands that was with me had his brother who was visiting from like the East Coast or something. And he was like, this is not real. This is not real. We're all pretty young. So I start driving back and we were just like, wow, now you got like a real Arizona experience to him. Um, And someone started tailgating me. And by this time it was probably like getting dark enough to just see the lights. I didn't see any vehicle behind me previous to that, and they'd probably been driving on the road for like five, 10 minutes. And like I said, this road is 12 miles back, a dirt road, I had a Jeep. Um, I was used to driving it, so I could go about 40 miles an hour in some parts. But I mean, if you if you took a rock at the wrong angle, you could like flip your car or something. So. I started driving faster because it looked like it was a Jeep Cherokee behind me. And I had heard stories in this area of like government stuff. And we were like, I mean, like it just had to have been a testing thing. Like it couldn't have been like, why would a UFO just be like, I mean, it is the UFO because we couldn't, 
really say what it was that would drop like in a fraction of a second. But anyway, I wasn't going to stop because this road was um, a lane and a half wide or so. And if this person wanted to, they could easily come and T-bone and stop us from, and I couldn't reverse on the road. It was too hairy. And so I wasn't going to stop. And I was just like not letting this person pass me, but he was tailgating me the entire time, like very, very close. And I was kicking up a lot of dust and I was going 40 miles an hour almost the entire time. Um, And so he kept following me on all of the turns back to this ranch. It's night now. Two out of three of us that sleep on the ranch are here. And there was only one other person. And it's a guest ranch, but it's not really like an accommodations ranch. It's like guests just kind of come in and leave and have lunch and like see this old ranch set up and stuff but we maintain the animals and everything so (laughs) we get back um to this one part of the road where i knew the road really well and if you didn't hug the cliff on the left side of the road then you would hit a huge like two foot drop um where there's this big boulder and somehow this person had stayed on my tail the entire time and I took it really tight into the cliff and zoomed down the um, curvy road all the way into the ranch and just shut off the lights, like turned off the car. And we sat and watched, and I lost him at that point. But about five minutes later, maybe like three minutes, the Jeep, which we could clearly see now was a Jeep Cherokee, pull in but we were kind of like hiding with the lights off and just watching to see what the heck and so the jeep chart uh pulled in turned around and left the ranch and went back and once it had got up around the curve where it couldn't see us anymore i turned on the lights and we went to where the ranchers lived and there was one rancher back there and we told him Well, before we even told him anything, we said, did you see anything weird in the past hour? Because like I say, we saw the light and we kind of could tell where the ranch was because it's the desert and it was pretty close to where we were. And he said, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Me and my dog were just sitting there and all of a sudden she kind of like stood up and I just saw this like bright flash and it was came from the wash over there. And we would take guests on horses around, and he's like, there's absolutely nothing over there. But not, I don't think it could have been super close because we all kind of hung out and talked about it for a little bit after that. But he said he just saw this bright flash, which was kind of what we saw. And then we told him that we had been essentially tailgated by what we thought was maybe a government vehicle. That's why I'm trying not to be very uh, high disclosure in case, just in case. All right, thanks for your show. I'm going to leave a review. Best. That's awesome. Thank you, Gwen. And thanks for the review. And it reminds me, I might as well mention it, if you haven't done so, please consider leaving Monsters Among Us a good review and a handful of stars. That would be pretty sweet. So anyway, let's get back to Gwen's call. 
I'm immediately reminded of the men in white trucks at the gates of Area 51. Anyone that's ever driven up to it or even seen it on television knows that once you get to a certain point, those trucks start to watch you. I don't know if they use Jeep Cherokees or not, but it is a coincidence that they're both white vehicles. But the strangest thing here in the story is probably the UFO itself. A shape-shifting craft, for lack of a better term, that seems to instantly fall to the ground. I don't know what that could be. But given that it took place in the state of Arizona, I'm not all that surprised. The desert southwest seems to be chock-full of different UFO experiences. So thank you again, Gwen, for that amazing story. And I'm happy that the men in white trucks or men in black or whatever these things were didn't find you. Now our next story of the evening comes to us anonymously from the state of Tennessee. Hey Derek, I'm calling to you from um, just north of Knoxville, Tennessee in a rural community and I've never seen anything what I think is paranormal but I have seen a large black cat. Uh, I've seen it, my father's seen it, it was near my parents' house. It ran out of a ditch line in front of my car and to an abandoned road that the county never takes care of anymore and it was huge bigger than a bobcat and it was sleek black and I know the difference between a house cat and a cougar type cat that's what the only only way I could describe it and you know in the country we see all kinds of animals I've seen it bears you see uh I think the only thing I've never seen here is probably a wild boar but people who grow up in the country are used to seeing animals outside but I've never seen anything like this before in my life happened about 10 years ago and um, didn't ever see it again but within the same couple of weeks my dad saw the same thing in the same area so um, I love the big cat story thanks a bunch for your podcast and have a good day thank you caller for sharing in a way these are paranormal and people seem to forget that or miss that point alien big cats or ABCs are a cryptid and they're encrypted because they're an out-of-place animal. There was no natural large black cat that lives in most of these areas that it's sighted, so that kind of makes it a cryptid. And of course, cryptids fall under the paranormal. Not that any of that matters. I am reminded, though, of, again, the state of Kentucky. Several attacks that have taken place over the past year. Many of those were on horses, donkeys, ponies, that kind of thing. But uh, back in the fall, a young man lost his life to some mystery animal. And perhaps it's the same thing that our caller witnessed that day ten years ago. Thanks again, caller, for sharing. You know I love a good ABC. Well, our next call of the evening takes place on a ghost tour, according to my little description. So, I'll let Leslie from North Carolina tell us all about it. Hi, this is Leslie from North Carolina. I was in uh, Denver, Colorado over the summer, and my friend and I that were traveling, we decided to take a ghost tour in downtown uh, Denver. And as you know, Denver is a old 
town and underneath the city there are tunnels um, to basically back in I'd say the 1800s uh, because of the weather they would have to take things back and forth so we had gone on the whole entire tour the last place that we visited was the Winnie Coop brewery in Denver um, right in the middle of downtown in one of the oldest buildings and we proceeded to go down into the basement. Um, the guide led us over through the whole entire basement, gave us a chance to take pictures, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole entire time in a basement, it was August and it was warm, but the temperature was very, very cool actually in the restaurant. But down in the basement, it was ridiculously hot to the point that I barely was able to sit through the guide telling me about the story. I don't know what it was, but it was the only time in my life that I've ever been truly creeped out and been so physically affected by a a ghost or an entity or something like that. But the story was basically that they had found a a little girl and they had done extensive um, investigations down there and a little girl had been uh, either abandoned by her mother or someone like that. And it was just a very odd experience. And normally you associate um, entities and things like that or feelings, you get cold. But this was an overwhelming like heat to the point of suffocation so i just wanted to share my experience i know that there are a lot of um, ghost stories in downtown denver and there were also employees of this brewery that you know had experiences and things like that so thank you for a great show and it definitely helps me get through uh meal prep as well as other things, just to kind of relax and unplug. So thanks so much, and keep up the great work. Have a great night. Thank you, Leslie. You know, it kind of reminds me of my trips to Portland and Seattle over the past decade. I took full advantage of the underground tours of both of those cities. There were certain rooms you would walk into, and it would just be a completely different atmosphere. It would be stuffy and hot and dry and overall stale. So perhaps it's a result of the environment of the room. Heating ducts or lack of air circulation or who knows. Or it might have been a ghost. I've also gone on many ghost tour in my day. And unfortunately I've yet to experience anything while in these haunted locations. Thanks again Leslie for sharing your call. So now our next call of the evening comes to us from a man named David. Hello, my name is David. So about six or seven years ago, I was living in Lucerne Valley, uh, and I was working in Hesperia about an hour. From there, uh, um, I was commuting home one night. It was dark, just barely, maybe. Yeah, it was in the early evening. Um, I'm taking the back way my house, so it cuts about five minutes off. Um, I was coming up on an intersection, 
uh, to make make the uh, make the right hand turn on on the Rabbit Springs Road. And um, in the middle of the lane, there was a large creature. Um, it, it looked a lot like a dog with, with mange. Um, yeah, I was driving a full-size Ford Bronco at the time, and where it was standing, well, hunched over, it was almost at eye level with me. It was quite large. Um, I never seen anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm fairly familiar with the animals in the area, and, and generally just animals you would find in the wild. It's I, I, I searched everywhere when I got home that night to try to find some something similar. Uh, I wish I had more information with you, but I didn't want to really... I didn't really get a great view of it, maybe three seconds total while it was in my headlights, and I kind of stepped on the gas and went around it as quick as possible. While I was driving past it, it just kind of, just kind of watched me. Um, but... That's about it. Uh, love the show. Just started listening to it two days ago. Uh, one of my one of my writers um, recommended it to me driving Uber. Uh, anyways, I have more stories. Uh, I might call and share in the future. Uh, I'd like to know if anybody else has seen anything similar because I, that's mainly I just I want to know what the heck I saw. Uh, anyways, awesome, cool. Thanks, David. That is in my neck of the woods, believe it or not. It's just on the other side of Big Bear. And I happen to know there are reports of several different sorts of creatures from that general area. In fact, Palm Springs is reports of devil dogs, whatever those things are. I saw it on Monsters and Mysteries in America. While David Flora and I were in Anza Borrego, which isn't all that far from there as well. We interviewed a gentleman whose friend claimed to have seen a dog-like creature run along the side of his car. He described it more as a werewolf, though. So ironically enough, this area also kind of encompasses some of the research that David and I will be doing for this documentary if the world ever goes back to normal. So, David, I appreciate the entry. I think that's something we might be able to use on the show. Now, as far as a logical explanation here, there's plenty of black bear up here. Plenty. There's one that gets in the neighbor's trash. Hi, John. Almost every night. So is it possible that one of the black bear up here on the mountain uh, developed a case of mange or some other skin disorder and ventured its way down to the valley? warmer temperatures I don't know crazier things have happened thank you again David for sharing I really get a kick out of calls with uh, big scary creatures so the only thing I know about our next call of the evening is that it's from the state I grew up in the state of Ohio oh hi Derek I just wanted to call in Uh, I'll try to keep this brief Ever since I was like a, a very, I guess I should mention I'm from Ohio. I don't know how many UFO and alien sightings come from Ohio. I haven't really looked it up because I'm terrified of it. Um, 
but ever since I was little, I would uh, see these little things at night. It started whenever I my parents divorced and uh, we moved into a new apartment, and I would see figures uh, like outlined outside my window because there was a, a street light out there, and uh, I could see like the shadows through the blinds. I would uh, feel things like touching me at night, but you know, a little kid, I would just pull my head over the pull the pull the covers over my head. Sorry, I get a little nervous talking about it. Um, I don't have any memories of being abducted, but I do have a lot of memories of encounters. Um, and I, I do actually have a, I've never had any surgeries, but I do have a surgical scar on my abdomen, a very thin hairline surgical scar that is completely unexplained. My parents don't even know where it came from. I think the last time I had a major experience, I was actually with a friend. We were at my dad's house and we heard a whirring, buzzing sound outside and I was instantly filled with dread, like it was so familiar to me. And then we heard a thud, like something landed on the roof. And then we heard like footsteps in the hallway and I was freaking out. My friend had no idea what to do, but they heard everything too. And then it just kind of stopped. And we stayed up all night, and I don't, I don't remember if there was any lost time or anything like that. But I, yeah, I have a little bit of reason to suspect that I might have been abducted in the past or at least visited. I'm petrified of aliens. Seeing anything that resembles them gives me anxiety, and I just, I, I don't know. But yeah, like I said, I haven't done much research into Ohio's alien phenomena. So I'd love to hear if there's a high sighting rate. Um, I haven't had any experiences recently. I'm currently uh, 22, and my last experience was back in high school. So uh, <laughs> thankfully it stopped. Um, love the podcast. Uh, I might call in some more experiences I've had in the future. Bye. Thank you, caller. While I was listening to the call, I was trying to think of any Ohio cases that I could compare this to uh, UFO cases that is and I'm drawing a blank you know, I can think of uh, Bigfoot type creatures and the Frogman and melon heads and all these other things but uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank on UFOs now if I'm honest I would say that this might be more on the uh, ghostly side of things rather than uh, the UFO or alien or whatever you want to call the abduction phenomenon the footsteps in the hallway, the thuds on the roof, the figures outside the window. That all sort of checks out in the list of things needed for an official haunting. But then again, no matter what it says on television, I'm not an expert in any of this. In fact, it's pretty hard to be an expert in something that hasn't been proven yet. Either way, the story is fascinating. So thank you again for sharing. And a little tip, I've shared this a long time ago, but I'll share it again. If you think you're being abducted and you want to kind of test it out, put your pajamas on, inside out, when you go to bed. If when you wake up, they're put on correctly, you know something's afoot. Thanks again for sharing. 
And well, would you look at that. We're down to our final call of the evening. And this one comes to us from parts unknown. But I happen to know it was submitted by Casey. Hi Derek, this is Casey and I'm calling from Ontario, California. Been listening to your show for just a couple of months now. I uh, came across you on the Paranormal Caught on Camera show on television. And I was just impressed by how knowledgeable you seem to be on the topics on the show. And uh, although I've never listened to a podcast before, I was you know struck with the urge to, to search you out and find out what your show was about. So, so kudos on that. I love what I've heard so far. Uh, like I said, I've been binge listening. I'm currently on season six towards the end, so I'm, I'm almost caught up here. Now, though this isn't a, a cryptid sighting, I, I hope it's something that you can put on your show. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a personal experience on my end. And I know that uh, emotions can kind of cloud your judgment and all that, so I definitely would welcome your feedback if you have any on this one. Uh, now... I come from a large family, eight siblings all together, and I was number five out of the group with 11 years separating me from my oldest sibling, or my sister. Now, she was a bit of a 70s child, and she just kind of had some some quirks, and I guess I have to say I, I shared a lot of those similar quirks because despite the age difference between us, you know, we had a lot in common. We watched a lot of the same movies, the same B-rated TV shows, you know, read the same, you know, sci-fi books. And I actually had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with her because, you know, growing up, there were times I'd spend entire weeks at her place acting as the, you know, like a live-in babysitter so that uh, she could go to work and, you know, wouldn't have to worry about babysitting for her kids. And it gave us the opportunity to, you know, stay up late and watch, you know, some of our uh, our B-rated movies. And, you know, we were just probably a little bit closer than we were with the rest of our siblings. You know, not to say that we weren't a loving family. It was just, you know, she and I just had a lot more in common. However, she passed away about 17 years ago at the, uh, the young age of 41. You know, she passed away of breast cancer. And... At some point after she passed, my mom had sent all of us siblings some odds and ends that my sister had at her apartment. You know, nothing unique or special. It was just items my mom thought that we could put on the shelf to display and remember our sister by. However, the items that I received ended up in boxes for a number of years because my wife and I, we moved a few times in quick succession, you know, shortly after that time, and... We always had some boxes that never quite seemed to get unpacked, and, you know, this was one of them. Now, we moved into the house that we're in now about 10 years ago, and a year after we moved in, I finally got the spare bedroom turned into an office for myself, and I installed some shelves that gave me the opportunity to display some of the books and memorabilia that I'd had in boxes for a long while, and, you know, those included the items of my sister. The very next morning after putting my office together, I'm up getting ready for work and it's it's early, you know, the sun's just barely coming up. It's nice and quiet and I'm the only one up at the time and 
I go to sit down on the couch to put on my shoes, and as soon as I do so, the TV comes on. Now, you know, first thing that comes to my mind is that I sat on the remote, so I'm scrambling around to get the TV turned off before it wakes anybody up because it just seems unusually loud that early in the morning. And I'm searching underneath me and under the cushions and in the cracks and on the floor, and, and I can't locate it. So I'm getting ready to go turn the TV off manually, and I notice that the remote is on the arm of the armchair a few feet away. And it's just sitting there with the buttons, you know, facing up in the air, so there's we don't have the weight of the remote pushing down that would have, you know, turned it on and off like that. But I just I rush over, I grab the remote, and I turn the TV off. But I look over and I notice that the DVD player is in the process of shutting down. And the thing about that is the remote that I had in my hand did not control the DVD player. That remote is still on the entertainment center collecting dust because we, we hardly ever use it. And, you know, that's another three or four feet from where I'm currently standing. And what makes this even more interesting is that when the DVD player shuts down, it displays a message that says, See you. And it flashes, you know, three or four times before it finally shuts down. And so here I am. It's early in the morning. It's nice and quiet. We've got some strange happenings with the TV and the DVD player. And I have my, fi- my sister fresh on my mind after, you know, breaking out some of her belongings. And so I instantly get this warm feeling, you know, washing through me. Like maybe my sister, you know, had stopped by for a visit. Now, I don't have any other experiences that would lead me to believe that, you know, my sister was just hanging around waiting for her opportunities to communicate. But I just, I, I feel that she might have been stirred by, you know, me opening up her items and thinking about her again. And so this was her way of stopping by to, to say hi and, and even, you know, say goodbye since she and I never got the opportunity to say goodbye before she passed. And I don't know if I had already said this, but I'm more of a logical thinker. I, I like to drill things down. Although I owe it to my sister for helping me to have the open mind that I do have. I just, I don't ever take things at face value. You know, the first part of my life, I was an electrician. And troubleshooting was always a strong point for me where I just, I could figure out why something wasn't working or why it was behaving like it did. I was also trained at one point, you know, certified, you know, Microsoft certified to, among other things, work on computers. So I just, I feel like I've got a fairly strong grasp of how electricity and electronics work. And so I've, you know, used that to, to kind of evaluate what's happened because I, I can't even think about my sister without this instance coming to my mind. And although I've since given up on, you know, trying to debunk it on my own, I've, you know, I've, I've put my thinking cap on and I've thought about it because although I don't remember the specifics about the time of the year or the weather, but I do remember, you know, wearing a short sleeve shirt. So it would have been in the, you know, spring, summer, fall. And if it would have been raining, I would have already, you know, ruled that out. So I, I've no, there wasn't any humidity in the air or at least anything unusual that wouldn't have happened either before or since then. I also don't think that the Santa Anas are blowing. 
because that would have been you know fresh on my mind as well. You know, I know how the, the dust and static electricity can build up, you know, when the Santa Ana's kick up. But uh, I definitely would have thought about that and ruled that out. And I know we didn't personally have any projects going on aside from just you know paint and whatnot in that back bedroom, which was nowhere near the uh, the TV or the DVD player. And and I've even at some point in time. You know, asked my wife and son if they had been up and watching TV at that point. I think that was you know a month or so down the road because I, I just I just wasn't ready to even you know mention it. I still at my time thinking you know did that happen? Did this actually you know happen? And I was still trying to rule things out before I asked them about it because I didn't want them thinking you know we had strange things going on. But neither one of them remembered ever being up early or late you know watching TV. You know, because some electronics will have a, a, a timer on them where after a certain amount of time they'll just they'll shut themselves down but I doubt that that was the case in this instance I mean especially you know not even to question their memory about it but the DVD remote was in its usual spot and if and we're, we're, we kind of tend to be a little bit lazy about putting you know the remotes away so in my mind the remote for the DVD player would have been almost in the exact same spot as a TV. So anyway, I've, I've, I've had a chance to really put some thought into this. I've never been able to break it into anything different than, you know, my sister being there. But, um, you know, somebody else might have other ideas or, or opinions. But this is something that I needed to get off my chest. And it's been building ever since I started listening to your, your podcast, you know, starting a few months ago. And I think it just finally got to the boiling point and I need to share this and hopefully it's something you can use uh, other than that I just I, I appreciate your show I know you hear this a lot but uh, it, it's great what you're doing for everybody and I wish you the best of luck and thank you for your time thank you Casey for sharing that as someone that lost a sibling recently I can certainly sympathize now like Casey I can't really think of any reason why the appliances would suddenly come on like that. The only thing he didn't mention that I would maybe do some research on is some sort of power surge. If they were all connected to the same surge protector, perhaps there was something there that was able to turn it on. I've had my fair share of electronical weirdness over the past couple years, so if I had answers, trust me, I'd be sharing them. I'll end with this uh, simple thought. You know, a lot of times people hear stories like this and think, oh, well, that's wacky or wishful thinking, or at the least, very unlikely. You think that way until it happens to you. I've lost a handful of close people recently, and uh, I've had some weird experiences myself that I'm not able to explain. And I certainly can't say that there was a visitation from a loved one. But I can say that the coincidence was so great that I'm still not so sure. So in both my case and your case, KC, I hope that was the case. Thank you again for sharing your call. And that's going to do it for this grab bag episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me. Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Sarah Carter Hayes. 
All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that creepy score. Well, it's co.ag music. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. You know, I forgot to mention an announcement. Be sure to follow our social media pages. Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. Our awesome social media team has got those things shiny and ready to roll. So swing by and give them a test drive. So tonight's bonus call. Let's get to that. As I'm looking through my list here. I see one call remaining. The following was submitted anonymously from Parts Unknown. So I'm going to try and make my story as short as I can. It's not that exciting, but it's so hard to explain. It was uh, one night, probably around 11 o'clock. It was not super late, but it was late enough to where... We were the only ones driving down this street. Now, this street is high visibility. There's a lot of street lights. It was me and my boyfriend driving. And um, there's a lot of street lights, and it's just a straight road with random stop, si- stop lights to where you can turn down. So we were going down, uh, going down the street. My boyfriend was driving, and I see out of my peripheral, there is like a light in the lane next to me. So. I turn and in my in the blind spot, I can see there is uh, a small SUV. It's white, and it's just sort of coasting along, going staying at the same speed in the uh, blind spot of the car, of my car. So we're driving, and as I said, there's intermittent uh, stoplights, but we have not passed one, and there's no point where we pass one. There's there's large chunks of large chunks of uh, road where you just drive and you don't pass the stop light. So we're driving and um, my boyfriend's about to change lanes because there is a stop light coming up. And as I said, it's just a straight road and there's nowhere you can go. You, you have to stay on that road. There's nowhere to turn at this point. And he looks in his blind spot right before he uh, changes lanes. And he says to me as he's changing lanes, wasn't there a car right there, a white car? And I, I look in the blind spot, and I, I look behind me, and the car is gone. And we were thinking, like, where could it go? And I, I said, yeah, there, there was definitely a car. There was definitely a car there. I saw it. And so for the whole rest of the drive there uh, to our destination, we're trying to figure out 
where this car could, could have possibly gone. There was nowhere for the car to have turned. And like I said, the car was in our blind spot the whole time. But when he looked to check his blind spot, suddenly the car was gone. And the lights had been in my peripheral vision. So although I wasn't looking at it, um, I would have noticed I would have noticed if the car had turned because, you know, when the car turns behind you, you can see the lights um, sort of flicker off into the distance. And I know it's not that exciting, but to this day, we'll look at each other and we'll say, you know, hey, whatever happened to that car? Because it seems as though it just completely disappeared um, into the distance. But uh, that's my story. It's strange. It's not scary, but it's definitely strange. And we still don't know how to answer it to this day. But uh, thanks for listening. The, the show's great. Thank you, caller. How odd is it that it was a white SUV? If you remember back to Gwen's call from earlier in the episode, she too mentioned a strange small SUV, a white Jeep Cherokee. I'm not saying they're connected, but I'm saying it's strange that there was a connection made here. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night.